0: Today, welcome to the 7th and 8th grade service. It's awesome to have you guys here. We're going to be starting a series of messages called 3. Everyone hold up three fingers. When we were back in the 180 on a board, we had this awesome statement, which was experiencing the fullness of God without restriction and transform the world by the way we live. We often talked about how we are called as Christians to live a certain way. And when we actually begin to live the way that God has called us to live, literally it will affect people around us. It will transform people around you. There was a guy that once said, go out and preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. If necessary, use words. That's what we're called to do. We're called out to go out and preach. We don't have to use words to preach. We literally get the opportunity to live like God has called us to live. We get the opportunity to experience the fullness of God without restriction and transform the world by the way we live. So this series called Three is three people that experienced the fullness of God without restriction and transformed the world by the way we live. So we're going to be looking in the Bible, we're going to be looking at God's word, at three individuals in the past who actually lived this out. As Resurrection Life Church, we have a vision that we exist to. Develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. You guys are here so that we can develop together so that we can go out and we can impact the world around us. So today what we're going to be doing, if you're taking notes, today's message is called Moses Born and Raised. Moses Born and Raised. How many of you guys have ever heard of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Okay, do you guys know the, do you guys know like the theme song, It's Kind of Fun? Do you guys know that? Uh, I think it starts out like uh, West Philadelphia, one of the portions. West Philadelphia, born and raised in the playground, is is where I spent most of my days. Uh, well, I rewrote it uh, for Moses, and you guys get to hear it right now. Yeah, you guys ready? Now this is a story all about how Moses flipped Egypt upside down. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there, tell you how a slave saved Israel when scared. Yeah. West Egypt, born and raised in the palace is where he spent most of his days. Chillin', maxin, relaxin' all coolin', growing up, learning and actin' a fool. When a couple of guys who were up to no good started fightin' in his neighborhood. He got in one little fight and his mom got scared and said so to... I totally just went back to the original version. It's okay, right? <laughs> hold up, hold up. We've gotta start this all over because I totally messed up. I like the clapping, so let's let's try this one more time because I can get this. Let's go. All right, here we go. Now this is a story all about how Moses flipped Egypt upside down, and I'd like to take a minute just sit right there tell how you saved Israel when scared. The palace is where he spent most of his days. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool, and growing up, learning and acting a fool. When a couple of guys who were up to no good started fighting in his neighborhood, he got one little fight and he got scared. Decided to move out to the desert where nobody cared. Didn't waste much time getting out that day. Didn't even grab a stub, just started on his way. Ran past the hedge, over the thicket. He put his sandals on and said, Might as well kick it. Yeah, man, man, you guys are killing me or I'm killing myself. Anyways, Moses had an opportunity. Moses had an opportunity to transform the world by the way that he lived and he did it. So the question is this, how? How did Moses transform the world by the way he lived? It all started with his setup. Can you guys say setup, setup. How many of you guys know who Michael Jr. is? He's a much funnier guy than I am. He's a comedian. You guys know him? Uh, Michael Jr. has this little thing where he tells uh, what his son said to him one day. It's actually kind of funny. So uh, his son comes up to him and he says, dad, 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 when I grow up, I want to be a doctor. And, Mo, and Michael Jr.'s like, what, that's awesome, high five. And then his son pauses for a second, looks at him, or I want to be a dinosaur. Yeah. Michael Jr. says that jokes, which he's funnier than I am, so you can laugh at him because it was funny when he said it, not when I said it. But anyways, Michael Jr. says jokes have two parts. They have the setup, and then they have the punchline. They have the setup where you get kind of everyone going in one direction, like, Daddy, when I grow up, I want to be a doctor. And everyone's going this direction, thinking it's. Re- and then you throw something really crazy, semi-funny, ridiculous, uh, as or a dinosaur, you know? It's like when he grows up, he wants to be a dinosaur? What's up with that? I mean, can you grow up to be a dinosaur? I don't know. Uh, anyways, Michael Jr. says that jokes have a setup and then a punchline. Well, let me tell you guys this. Life has a setup and then a punchline. Life has a setup and then a punchline. And Moses had a setup. And because of Moses' setup, Moses could do incredible things for God. And because Moses did incredible things for God, today we read about Moses and Moses actually impacted your life probably way more than you think. A lot of us hear Moses and we're like, well, that's a cool guy. He lived a long time ago. I remember something about this sea splitting, people walking through on dry ground. I remember he hit a rock, water came out. I remember all this stuff. I remember that he talked to a burning bush. I haven't had any conversations with burning bushes lately, uh, in at least a couple weeks. I haven't had one at least. so so we think Moses is a cool guy and he's got cool stories but let me tell you what if Moses didn't do what Moses did you couldn't be sitting here like you are today. See Moses impacts our life more than we know it. So what I want to do is I want to Have you guys ever been in an airplane? I've been in an airplane. I really Flying is cool, the taking off and the landing part, not cool to me. Uh, But basically, I want to give you like a 30,000-foot view of Moses' life. Like, real quick, what happened? So that you could see that Moses had a setup, and then instead of sticking in his setup, like most people do, he decided to do something about it, and he decided to let God use him, and God did incredible things through him. So if you're like flying really high, looking down, you know how you don't see quite all the detail, but you could see the big picture? So that's what I wanna do for you guys today is look at Moses' big picture. So what happened is Israel is inside of Egypt at this time. Israel's inside of Egypt. They got there because an Israelite guy actually saved the Egyptian nation from starvation. So the Israelites have been in Egypt for a while. They've actually been blessing Egypt. And then one day a Pharaoh gets appointed as king of Egypt and he doesn't have any recollection of really what happened in the past. He didn't know what happened with the Israelites and he started to oppress them. He started to put them into slavery. So you've got all these Israelites living inside of a foreign land of Egypt and they're becoming slaves. But still God's hand of blessing is on Israel because Israel is God's chosen people. So God's hand of blessing is on Israel. So you got God's hand of blessing on a a nation that is inside of another nation as slaves. So what happens is God still blesses the Israelites and they grow and prosper even while being put into slavery. And then one day the Pharaoh, I don't know if he woke up or if he just woke up, you know, uh, one day he gets scared. Just because of the sheer number of Israelites, and this is what Exodus 122 says. It says, "Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy, so Pharaoh gives this order. I mean, just think if like a president gave this order. You guys would probably be like, "What? You know? Uh, this is what the Pharaoh says. The Pharaoh gave this order. Every Hebrew boy that is born must be thrown into the Nile. that's really important to remember, thrown into the Nile. And then he says, but let every girl live. So Pharaoh gives this order to say, kill the boys, let the girls live. Interesting, kill the boys, throw them into the Nile, let the girls live. So this, this is Moses's setup.
1: A man from the Levi tribe married a woman from the same tribe, and she later had a baby boy. He was a beautiful child, and she kept him inside for three months. But when she could no longer keep him hidden, She made a basket out of reeds and covered it with tar. She put him in the basket and placed it in the tall grass along the edge of the Nile River. The baby's older sister stood off at a distance to see what would happen to him. About that time, one of the king's daughters came down to take a bath in the river while her servant woman walked along the riverbank. She saw the basket in the grass and sent one of the young women to pull it out of the water. When the king's daughter opened the basket, she saw the baby and felt sorrow for him because he, he was crying. She said, This must be one of the Hebrew babies. At once, the baby's older sister came up and asked, Do you want me to go get a Hebrew woman to take care of the baby for you? Yes, the king's daughter answered. So the girl brought the baby's mother, and the king's daughter told her, Take care of this child, and I will pay you. The baby's mother carried him home and took care of him. When she was old enough, she took him to the king's daughter, who adopted him. She named him Moses, because she said, I pulled him out of the water.
0: I love how it says that she named him Moses. If you look up the meaning of Moses, it means to be drawn out of. So let's... Look at what's happening here. First of all, God's the only God that could orchestrate something like this. You have had an Israelite baby who's a slave. Mom hides him for three months and places him in the Nile, right? That's what was actually told was supposed to happen to all of the babies. They're supposed to be placed in the Nile. So I imagine when the Pharaoh's daughter came up to the side of the Nile, she would be used to hearing babies crying because that's what happened to all of the baby boys in Israel at that time. So all of the baby boys were placed in the Nile, so she'd be used to it. But something happened. Something gave her compassion to pull that out. Let me tell you what, God had a plan on Moses' life. And it's interesting That water's involved, and there's a guy named Moses who means to be drawn out because God ends up using Moses to draw out the people of Israel from Egypt. God actually used the actions of the Pharaoh's daughter as a prophecy of what was going to happen years later when Moses was used by God to draw people out of Egypt. Moses' setup is that he's born into a time when the Israelites are oppressed and Moses could have let it just stay that way. Moses was free. Moses was a slave that had freedom inside of him, right? He was a slave at birth, but because of some act of God, he was free. And he grew up in a palace, and he got to experience all the good parts of being an Egyptian, yet he still had compassion on his Israelite brothers and sisters. It's interesting, he's a slave of freedom on the inside. Exodus 2.10 says this, When the child grew older, that's Moses, She brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses because, she said, I drew him out of the water. The name Moses means drawn out of the water. He's got freedom that came from water, freedom inside of him that came from him going through the water. That's really interesting because what ends up happening is Moses goes and draws the people out of Egypt and they get free by again going through water. So what happens is this, Moses is born, he grows older and then Exodus 2:11 says this, one day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. Hebrew is another way to say Israelite. So Moses who's grown up in comfort. He's grown up in a palace, he's had anything he wants. He gets to experience all the good things of being an Egyptian, not only just an Egyptian, he is basically the Pharaoh's grandson. He's the Pharaoh's grandson. So anything he wants, he's got comfort. He grows up in comfort. One day when he gets a little older, he goes walking out and he begins to witness all these things that are happening to his brothers and his sisters, his Israelite brothers and sisters. So he goes out and he witnesses an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. It says, he looked this way and he looked that way. Seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So Moses kills the Egyptian and drags him and buries him in the sand to hide him. It says, when he went out the next day, so the next day he's going out again, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, he said, why do you strike your companion? Then the Hebrew man, the Israelite, said, who made you prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. Surely people know what I've done. It says, when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought out to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian and he sat down by a well. So what happens is Moses begins to have compassion for his brothers and sisters, right? Inside, he just begins to have a longing to see his brothers and sisters treated fairly. So he goes and in a really bad way, he's good, intention bad result you know he kills an egyptian and hides him so through this he ends up finding out that pharaoh knows and he just takes off running right he runs over the hedge and trips over the thicket didn't just put his sandals on and said might as well kick it right so he runs out and he goes out and he begins to he, he finds a wife starts working for his future or his father-in-law and then one day as he's going, I love Moses because you get to hear all the cool story, some of the cool stories in the Bible. So one day he's out just hanging out and all of a sudden he sees a burning bush. Have you guys ever witnessed a fire, how like the, the wood just like crumbles underneath? Uh, well, Moses saw a burning bush. First of all, he's walking in the middle of like randomness and a burning bush. I mean, that'd be awkward in the first place. And then all of a sudden he, it catches his eye that it's not burning up. Uh, if I ever saw a bush that wasn't burning up, I don't think I would do what Moses did, but Moses actually walks towards it. I would probably run the other way. Uh, just me, just saying. Uh, so he goes to the bush, and he begins to talk to the bush. Another kind of interesting moment. I haven't had any conversations with burning bushes lately. Uh, we'll talk about that later. There's a place. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> So Moses is out in the desert and he begins to have a conversation with a burning bush. Turns out the burning bush is actually God speaking to him through the burning bush. And God begins to tell Moses, Moses, I've seen the harsh conditions that the Israelites are in. I've seen it and I witness it. And Moses begins to pour out his heart and God begins to talk to him and say, and God says, Moses, I'm gonna use you to, listen to this, draw the Israelites out of Egypt. I'm pretty sure Moses begins to realize what's going on. You see, Moses was a slave. Something supernatural happened. Passing through water, God had compassion, and Moses got to experience freedom like no one could dream. Now God is telling Moses, Moses, just like you were drawn out of the water, I'm going to use you to draw the Israelites out of Egypt. So we've got Moses' setup. He's born into slavery, but he has freedom inside of him. Now Moses has a choice right here. Right? If you're taking notes, write down Moses' setup. Moses' setup. Moses was a slave, born into freedom. Moses had a choice. He could have sat down in comfort, working for his father-in-law out in a desert, talking to burning bushes all day long. He could have done that. Well, I mean, he might not have found another burning bush. He could have talked to other bushes, non-burning ones. Just saying. He could have sat down. He could have decided to do nothing, but Moses made a choice. Moses said, okay, God, I will let you work through me to do incredible things. You see, God had a plan for Moses. And just like God had a plan for Moses, let me tell you, God has a plan for you as well. Moses had to make a choice. If you follow the story of Moses on, what happens is Moses goes and begins to talk to the Pharaoh and says, let the Israelites go. And if you know your Bible stories, you'll know that this is where the 10 plagues of Egypt happen, right? You have all the plagues. You have the frogs. You have the gnats. You have the Nile River turning to blood. You have hail as big as ambulances. I don't know. Huge hail. You have fire and sulfur coming from the sky, you have all this stuff that begins to happen. And Pharaoh keeps saying, no, I will not let the people go. No, I will not let the people go. No, I will not. And Pharaoh's heart is hard towards God. And what ends up happening is the common, the, the like climax, I'll say the climax of the plagues is when God says, I'm gonna take the, firstborn, the oldest child of all of the Egyptians. And what happens is one night, everybody goes to bed and everything seems okay. The next morning, none of the eldest Egyptians are living. All of them have died. All of them. And at this, it's kind of kind of a crazy story, but at this, the Pharaoh says, okay, just go. And actually the the Egyptians begin to just load their treasures on the Israelites and say, just go get out of here. We don't want you here. And the Israel the Israelites just take off. They just take off, and right after they take off, the the Egyptians kind of think, Well, what'd we just do? We just let all of our slaves go. Who's gonna do the work? So they end up chasing after them. And then this is where you have another cool story. They end up at a sea. And this is where you have, God tells Moses, lift up your staff and the sea parts. I think it's interesting that they go through on dry ground. And remember, Moses was placed in a body of water and that body of water allowed him to experience freedom. And what happens is the Israelites travel through the sea that's parted. The Egyptians get in the middle of it. The waters come back down and Because of water, the Israelites get to experience the freedom that Moses has been able to experience his entire life. So this is Moses. This is Moses' setup. And then his punchline was turning and saying, God, I'm going to allow you to use me. So here's the thing. You ready for this? Just like Moses has a setup, we have setups. If you're taking notes, write down your setup. Your setup, or you can write down my setup, because you're writing it and I'm saying it. So, your setup or my setup. Moses lived in a world that was full of need, full of anger, full of hurt, full of evil. Today, we live in a world that is exactly the same in many ways. We live in a world that is in need, full of hurt, full of evil, and we have an opportunity. So, here's the thing. Take your finger and point it at yourself. And hold it there for a second. You can either do nothing or you can do something. You can either do what God has called you to do or you can sit around and live in comfort. You can either allow yourself to be used by God or... You can ignore God. See, you are God's masterpiece. Hold that finger there still. You are God's masterpiece. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. God says about you, he says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for you to prosper. Plans for you not to be harmed. Plans to give you a future and a hope. And in Ephesians two ten, God says that you are his masterpiece. He created you anew in Christ Jesus to do good works. And listen to this. He created you in Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you. God has created you to do incredible things, and you have the ability to completely ignore him. It's your choice. Moses could have sat around doing nothing. But he chose to do something. So many people let their circumstances determine who they are instead of letting their circumstances be a platform on which to propel into what they can be. You see, Moses let his circumstances be a platform so that God can use him and God transform the world through him by the way that he lived. See, we all have ups and downs. We all have good days. We all have bad days. We all have good years and we all have bad years. But you can let those be a setup to do great things. Let me tell you guys a little story. You can put your hands down. Thank you. High five. Segway. I wish I had a Segway. That would be awesome. Do you guys know a Segway is two-wheeled thing you can't tip over? How sweet is that? Um, I'm sure I could tip it over. because. I could barely ride a bike without tipping over. Okay. Uh, how many of you guys have ever heard of Andy Andrews? I'm sure there's a couple people in here. A couple of you? Okay. Andy Andrews Andy Andrews had a setup. This was Andy Andrews' setup. When he was probably in his teens, I don't know exact exactly, teens, uh, his parents were in a car accident and ended up passing away. So Andy Andrews... Kind of left on his own at a really young age. Gets some inheritance, but completely runs out of it. Inheritance gone. So Andy Andrews ends up all alone, bankrupt, no money, nothing. And ends up living under a peer. And he keeps asking himself this one question. Why me? He he, kind of says it was his life motto. My daughter's been watching Lion King, so when I say motto, I think of Timon and Pumbaa. So, nothing. What's the motto with you? Nothing, motto with you? <laughs> okay. Um he keeps asking himself, why me, until one day he decides that he's going to try to do something to change it. First of all, he's an awesome Christian guy, so he begins to pray, seek God with everything he has. But then he says, I'm going to put my own effort towards changing it. So he decides that he's going to go, and he's going to read, go to the library, read biographies. So he begins to read these biographies of super successful people, and he's looking for what's common in between them. Like, what, What's the common thing in them? So he, he starts finding secrets to success and all this stuff. And this is his book, Seven Decisions. This is what he says. He says, back in the day when I was reading all those biographies, besides discovering seven common denominators, I realized an additional factor in every single case. Listen to this. Each person had to battle adversity. In fact, problems seemed to be the common experience of great people throughout time. Think of Moses, think of Joshua, think of David, think of all these people, think of Gideon in the Bible. We just went through the Bible, all these people experienced adversity, all these people seem to have so many problems. Then he goes on and says, that's right, the stories of wealthy, influential, successful world changers. I love the fact that he says world changers right there, I just think it's cool, Uh All these people, these world changers are consistently riddled with adversity. Each one presented with the challenge of accepting responsibility for his or her decisions and and circumstances. And each one did. But I'm sure they were tempted to play the victim, as most of us are, and ask, why me? When my parents died and I ran out of money, when things went from bad to worse, my consistent refrain was, why me? Why did this happen to me? I woke up with, why me? I went to bed with, why me? I walked around all day long thinking, why me? I wonder how many Israelites in the time when they were in Egypt, woke up every day saying, why me? I wonder how many of them went to bed saying, why me? I wonder how many of them walked around all day long saying, why us? See, the difference between Moses and every other Israelite was that Moses was willing to do something about it. Moses wasn't content with the circumstances. When Moses went to the Pharaoh, he was hated by the Pharaoh. He killed an Egyptian. How did he even get in front of the Pharaoh? I mean, it seems like a slave would be able to get in front of the Pharaoh as easy as someone who had killed an Egyptian. Oh, hey, boss. Yeah, uh, that Israelite that was your grandson, kind of, and killed somebody, and then took off. Uh, he's back, and he wants to talk to you. Yeah, send him in. Let's have lunch. No, I'm sure. I'm sure that didn't happen. Moses was willing to do something about it. Moses was willing to let his setup be a platform to propel him into what God had for him. Just like Ephesians 2.10, which I said, God has a plan that he has prepared in advance for you. The same was true for Moses. God had a plan. The same was true for those other Israelites. God would have used any one of them. I wonder how many people God had a plan to do great things in them and through them that would have been in the Bible that aren't there because they decided to just sit around and do nothing. wonder how many people. I bet you our Bible could be pretty thick with people that would have done awesome things. I mean, it's thick now, but I bet you it would have been much thicker. (laughs) Been a lot more stories, okay? If people would have actually lived for God, like Moses, like Joshua, like David, like Gideon. We all have an opportunity to do great things. The thing is, are you gonna sit around saying, why me with your setup? Or are you gonna say, okay, I will allow my setup to set me up for what God has for me. I'm gonna allow my setup to set me up. Many people stick in their setup. If I stuck in my setup, let me tell you where I'd be. Well, I wouldn't be here because I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up going to church at all. You want to know what? The first place I ever went to church, really as I wanted to and I started consistently going, was this room. This was it. This is where I started going to church. This is where I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. This is the room where God showed me what I was going to do with my life. See, when I got saved, I came, when I, right when I got saved, I started coming to this church. Actually, I came to this church right before I got saved. But I'd come in this room and I'd sit here and I would begin to witness the musicians on stage leading worship. Have you guys ever had it where you witness something and it just, something comes alive inside of you? Uh, I might be able to explain it easy this way. How many of you guys like roller coasters? Do you guys ever get it when you go to like, I mean, Michigan Adventures has cool roller coasters, but I've heard other places have much cooler roller coasters. So like Six Flags. So you go to like Six Flags or something and you're outside and you just see like the line of trees or whatever. And then you just see like the roller coaster go like, 8,000 feet in the air. I don't know how high they go. I don't like roller coasters, so that's, hey, but we rode one together. He got me to go on Thunderhawk. Yeah. Um, so when you guys go and you see a roller coaster and you just, like, even when you're driving there and you can just start to see the top of it, you just get excited, right? Like something right down, like on the left side, bottom of your heart just goes, right? Kind of like life was breathed into something. It's because there's a passion and a desire inside of you that now there's hope given to, right? When I walked inside this room and I started actually seeking God and I began to witness people leading others in worship, something inside of me just came alive. And I knew there was part of that that was connected to my destiny, connected to what I'm called to do. And God says that when I give you a passion and I give you a calling, I'm also gonna provide for it. So after last service, I get done speaking. I put my mic down, mic drop, and I walk back there. And someone comes up to me and says, hey, Tim, happy belated birthday. And after last service, someone gave me A guitar. Yeah, this was my dream guitar. Someone just walked up and said, "Hey, happy birthday!" I still don't know how, what to to make of it and how to react. I'm still kind of blown away. Uh, I think I should. I feel like I should leave it here because it's kind of like, is it even mine? But someone gave me a guitar. You see, God is going to call us to do incredible things, and when God calls us to do incredible things. He's also gonna provide for us. You see, when Moses was sitting there and God was telling him at the burning bush, I'm gonna do great things through you. God's not saying you're out on your own. God's saying, I'm with you. I got you all the way. Let's go, let's do this. I feel like some of us are sitting here today and God's saying, come on, let's go, let's do this. And we're just sitting around doing nothing. See, you guys have the opportunity. You guys are pretty much like Moses In the fact of you have a setup and you could choose to sit down in the middle of a desert doing nothing, talking to burning bushes all day long. You could choose to do that. You could choose to do nothing. Or you guys have the opportunity today to choose to say, you want to know what? I'm going to allow my setup to set me up to do great things for God. I'm going to allow my setup to set me up to do great things for God. I've got two verses for you guys as we end. Romans 12, 1 and 2, if you're taking notes, write this down. It says, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, pleasing. And perfect. I think that's awesome. You will begin to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So some of you are sitting there, you're like, I'm 12, I'm or I'm 13, or I'm 14, or I'm 32 and still in seventh grade. If you're sitting there saying that and saying, how am I able to know what God has for you? I'm not telling you that God's going to give you like your whole book, oh, you're going to be a veterinarian. You're going to go live in Utah and I'm not telling you that, but I'm telling you God's put something inside of you that encourages passion when you when you experience it. I'm betting that that has something to do with what God's calling you to do. God will begin to reveal that to you as you seek him and as you get into his word and let him transform you. So that's Romans 12, 2. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 If you guys want a good life verse, this is your life verse. I'm just giving it to you. You don't have to look any farther. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. This is how we do it. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. Can you guys bow your heads and close your eyes? Fourteen years ago, I got saved. Since then, there's been many opportunities where God will present something to me and I have the ability to either follow what he's calling me to do or to ignore it. And if I'm perfectly honest with you guys, there are times when I've ignored it and there are times when I followed it. I wanna encourage you guys, be like Moses. Allow God to do the incredible things that he's planned to do In your life and through your life, God wants to partner with you with everything that he's called you to do. And he says that he will provide what's necessary. So we all have an opportunity to say, God, I'm going to do it or I'm going to ignore it. God, I'm going to live for you or I'm going to go my own way. So this is what I want to do. The first thing I want to do is if there is anyone in here that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand if you say, today I want to do that. Today I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Today I want him to be my king. Today I'm going to follow him with everything I have. So when I count to three, if that's you, raise your hand. Everybody's heads bowed, everybody's eyes closed. There's only myself and an altar call team looking around. Every head bowed, every eye closed. One, two, three. Raise up your hands right now if that's you. Yep, hand going up. Yep, hands. There we go. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to say a prayer. When I say this prayer, I want everyone in here, whether you raise your hand or you didn't, to repeat after me. Say, Jesus, today I choose to follow you with everything I have. I want my life to worship you. And I ask for forgiveness for the mistakes, the transgressions that I've made. And I surrender everything to you. In Jesus' name, amen.